Welcome to another exhilarating episode of the You Know Show. We are two geeks who talk about everything. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined by my cousin and co-host, Landon. Welcome back, man. Good day. Glad to be back. Sorry I missed you last week. Hey, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, We got to hang out with Nicole and her daughter again, and uh, got to talk a little bit about... um, a Knight's Tale, which is Nicole's favorite movie, and uh, Gabby was insistent upon having a discussion about Hamilton, the musical phenomenon that it is. So, um, folks, if y'all haven't had a chance to check those episodes out, go back and give them a listen or give them a watch on YouTube. Whatever. Uh, don't throw away your shot. All right. Uh, today, we are diving back into our Star Trek discussion. Uh, we've we've already discussed the original series and the first two movies in the franchise. Uh, if you missed those, you'll be able to find a link down in the description to those old episodes. Uh, but today we are getting into the 1984 sequel, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, uh, which was directed by none other than Leonard Nimoy himself. That's right. So um, what what are your overall thoughts on this movie as we uh, get back into the Star Trek galaxy? Um, This would be, funnily enough, the third movie and my third ranking favorite movie of the of the originals. And um, yeah, because my first is um, Undiscovered Country. Second is Wrath of Khan, which is sometimes really tied. It's really that's more nostalgic than anything else. And I'll talk more about that when we get to Undiscovered Country as to why that meant a lot to me at the time. But this one is solid where it's at. And um, I mean, I guess I guess like especially as you get through it and get to the end and everything, this is it was just such an epic build. This is like a part two of a movie. You know, how you have like Deathly mm-hmm. Hallows part one and part two. It's really Star Trek Wrath of Khan 2 is really right. what this this is. Um, and, and it cl- completes the arc. And of course, they've got to dig their way out of their circumstance with Starfleet and four. But this is like really a two part part B. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. that's that's the reason why I, I think it's so epic and it and it builds to me. And it's what happens here shapes the rest of them. Yeah. Now, a lot of folks, a lot of fans really consider this the second part of a trilogy. So like they'll they'll refer to two, three, and four as the Genesis trilogy, right? Oh, that's fair. Um, so you know, you've you've got what started out in Wrath of Khan with the the Genesis uh project and the the device that wound up creating this planet at the end of uh Wrath of Khan. Uh and and it, this picks up right after uh Wrath of Khan, where you know we're we're leaving behind uh this this new world that has been created by the genesis device but they're also leaving behind their fallen comrade spock who made it possible for them to escape the genesis explosion um by you know sacrificing himself getting into the warp core and you know exposing himself to all that radiation and of course he dies from that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one and uh so spoilers for this is a 40 year old movie now, but uh, but what? what did you think about how the film handled Spock's eventual resurrection and the links the crew went to in order to bring him back? Um, I thought they handled it well. I mean, 
honestly, like you've seen so many things like like I have shows and movies where somebody comes back from the dead and it's just very much like tied off with an explanation or something happens and then it's just you're you're dealing with it along the way. This whole movie is Spock coming back, really, all the way to the very end. And so as Genesis is the planet is changing because of Genesis, so is Spock changing, you know what I mean, and growing. And I thought that was really cool because it, it it's an easier pill to swallow. You get it in a bit of doses as opposed to just, hey, you died tragically. We're all emotionally affected by that. And then all of a sudden you're back and, hey, how you doing? It's I mean, almost like data if you think later on with Next Generation and those data, you know, the the refurbished or new data coming. You know what I mean? It's 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 a long drawn out and that's so smart that they did it that way, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's really neat the way that they're able to tie uh, Spock's resurrection and his growth uh, to what's happening to the planet. Like right. he is his his development is directly affected by the the fact that Genesis, the planet, is is falling apart. Right, um, and is is rapidly. Uh, evolving the the planet is rapidly evolving into something it's it was never meant to be and uh and so as the planet ages so does this spock that we see and he, you know it's not like we you know we join uh david who is you know what was in charge of the genesis, Pro- genesis project or him and his mother in wrath of khan who is you know he is kirk's son uh and lieutenant savick they they are down on the planet um just investigating trying to find out you know how how is the genesis um project working out is is this doing what it's supposed to do um and we find out through some of david's exposition that uh he cheated in in creating this uh this device and used uh an illegal substance basically to to try and and make it work better right. Right. But in fact, it's 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 undoing. And um, but at the, and, you know, at the same time, they're the ones who discover that uh, that Spock is there and he's alive, but he is not the Spock that they know. He's a right. child. Right. And he doesn't really have a mind. He doesn't have a soul because he left that with bones at right. the end of uh, I, was gonna, I was about to say episode two <laughs> at the end of Wrath of Khan. He, uh, you know, we see remember. that moment where he does that mind meld, yeah, and he tells he tells him to remember, and and so it's like, what does that mean? But then we come back to it, and that's that's really what it is. He's he's kind of um, uploading his soul, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> and and uh, and and trying to like um, have a safe state so that he can come back later. Did you think it was funny, like that part when um, his room's been sealed off, right? And then there's a life form in Spock's room, like on 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 Enterprise, and then Jim goes in there, and there in the shadows, Jim, you know, yeah. he's got. It sounded like Leonard Nimoy, right? Yeah. And then he goes up, and clearly he grabs Bones, and it's Bones saying, "Take me to Mount Slevia or whatever it's called uh, on Vulcan," and and it's it's crazy to me because that that whole aspect of Bones was. Uh, well, it was funny because obviously Bones is such the antithesis of Spock. So for him to be that uh, was cool. 
um, for yeah. many reasons. Maybe maybe this is more fandom than anything like that. But it says to me that it wasn't just because he could have done it to Scotty, right? Right. He could. Oh, he yeah. was there. He could have done it. He chose to do it to Bones when he knew he was going to die. And to me, that says that he considers Bones to be a friend, even though he doesn't show it. And of course, Bones to him as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They've got that antagonistic kind of friendship that goes right. on. But but when push comes to shove, you, you, they both can rely on each other. And and that's that's a beautiful thing at the end um, yeah. when when they do, you know, they do manage to save spock um from the dying genesis planet and and they bring him and deliver him and bones to vulcan so that they can do the ritual and and remove spock's katra from bones and and install it back into this new resurrected form of you know that spock has it's explained to uh to mccoy that this is a this is a dangerous Right, uh, right transference like they don't say what could happen but we assume but that like death is on the line you could die could yeah die. yeah right and and he says i choose the danger <laughs> and so like to me that that really speaks to his character right you know and and he may have his differences with spock but when again when push comes to shove he loves the man you know he's his friend and and he's he is willing to put his life on the line to bring him back essentially and so uh i thought that what they did with with deforce kelly and, and his character in this movie i did um, too. i, I thought they did such a great job and and just it's almost like they gave him a little bit extra to do uh as opposed to what he usually, he usually see him yeah. Yeah. just the doctor he's uh, you know he's dead jim yeah a doctor not a doorstop that kind of stuff yeah, you know yeah yeah yeah, no, I thought that was great too. Uh, one of the things that I love about these Star Trek movies is it's not it's not over like with the bad guy dying. I mean, you notice that in the last one with with you know Khan. He has his moment, he has his speech, but then they've still got to deal with the ramifications because in the end it's about the crew and it's about, you know, it's about those those um characters you love and their survival and and dealing with stuff. Even in this one, like you you Get Christopher Lloyd out, which was so great that he was the bad guy. He's such a good bad guy. He's so good. But even yeah. after that, he dies, and that's not the end. Like you've you've got this. They got to go, and they they've got to go to Vulcan. And I think I I just really enjoy that about many of the movies. It's not just they blow up and die, but there's there's a bit of an epilogue that still has some action in it, you know, or still has some some seriousness. It's not like a full downplay from the climax climax but i love that i love that about the star trek movies it's well it's almost like in a tv show where you've got uh you know it's it's split up into like four acts or whatever and in the third act really that's where your climax is and you know if if we're talking about like let's use smallville for as an example like Clark usually beats the bad guy before that last commercial break, right? Right. And then you come back from commercial and you have this epilogue. You have the talent. Right. We're going to wrap up the episode. Um, we're going to go see Lana working at the talent and she's going to be all passive aggressive because Clark, you know, went to save the day again, but wouldn't explain himself to her. <laughs> or Lex is having some existential crisis right. uh, with, with his Lionel. father. With yeah. his father, yeah. my father. 
you know just, yeah so so you know you get that epilogue kind of thing so it's it's almost where it's it's like a tv show and it, yeah. it's fitting because this started out as a tv mm-hmm. show yeah um i do want to come back to christopher lloyd but let's talk about william shatner um so he's he's back as admiral kirk still an admiral at this point um how do you think he did with portraying this emotional weight of uh you know kirk's this is a very personal mission for him to rescue spock and 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 at first he thinks he's just going to genesis to retrieve a dead body right right Mm -hmm. this is for him this is not about saving spock's life this is about getting spock's body to vulcan so that they can basically send his soul on right well i think i think sarah Sarek really, really pushed that along too, because I think for for Jim, he he originally intended to go, but then they're de- decommissioning Enterprise, and it's like, well, that's awful, you know. I, I don't. I think at that point he was done, right? Yeah. But then he talks to Sarek, Spock's dad, and then it's like there's more on the line here, and it, and it comes down to the fact that there is it, whether it, and Jim even says later, he says, I'm not even sure if I believe it. But he understands that the right thing to do, like for for Spock and who he was and what mattered to him, he's not doing it for Sarek. He's doing it for Spock, right? Right. Is to go and he will put everything on the line. He will disobey orders. He'll go. He'll leave. He'll take steal the ship. He'll do whatever. And of course, the crew is willing to go with him without even a hesitation. Um, So I think I felt like William Shatner portrayed the emotional. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things in this movie that he he really portrayed the emotions well for, but the commitment of doing that, the, the lack of hesitation, what happens with David later, I mean, there's just so much in this where I feel like William Shatner nailed it, killed it, you know, yeah. Uh, personally. Yeah, uh, the scene where where David is killed, and you know, Savage. So, so we've got a new actress playing Savick this time, and and she does seem more Vulcan than Kirstie Alley did, yeah. In the in yeah. Wrath of Khan, right? Oh, she, real because, quick, let's pause. Let's pause and clarify. Sarek is Spock's dad. Savick right. is the girl that was the. Uh, well, I don't know what her role is. She's like the science officer now. Well, she was. So she was a lieutenant on uh, on the Enterprise during Wrath of Khan. Now she is with uh, David uh studying the the genesis planet yeah that's right. um and so you know she she's reunited with the enterprise crew when they return to genesis um but she is the one that i would say is forced to report to kirk that david has been killed um and you know her her delivery of it is is perfect as a vulcan, vulcan. she simply just says Admiral David is dead. Like there's there's no emotion to it at all, um, which in itself is sad because you know she's she's friends with this man, and and she has a certain I think respect uh, for Admiral Kirk, certainly for Spock, um, because I mean I, she she had this mentorship I feel like with yeah with, with Spock. Spock right and uh, and so. You know, you you get to this moment, and gosh, yeah, William Shatner in in taking that information in, just the little the little motion of him 
falling backward and and missing his chair, like falling to the floor. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was great. Now, whether he meant to miss the chair or not, it was perfect. It fit perfectly for, you know, how his father would take that news that you know suddenly you found out that your your son's just been murdered and there's nothing you can do about it right um and and we mentioned sarek right. i'm i do want to say like at the beginning of the movie where sarek comes and confronts uh kirk there at his in his apartment um you know right there at the start of the movie that scene again for a vulcan see it feels so emotionally charged and and part of that could be that uh you know when he mind melds with with Kirk to experience Spock's final moments, it's overwhelming for him. Right. And because you know, they when they mind meld, they get to experience all of the emotions that right. the other person has. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's, that's fair. And you know they all do so well. Sarek, you know, um being married to a human, I mean, you got to imagine. I mean, Sarek is is Vulcan through and through, but still, just you think about you think about um, uh, Spock's exposure to all the humans on the Enterprise over years, and he had a little bit of humanity because he is partly human, right? right? And he's half human, but I still think you're right. I think I think it'd be there had to be at least an, an understanding that there's a little bit of infusion of that because Sarek's upset. You know what I mean? You can tell he's upset. Not that Vulcans can't be. It's funny how they, they trait this, right? It's almost like the positive emotions or happiness or joy or silliness are like stupid, but you've mm-hmm. seen Klingon or not Klingons uh, Vulcans get really mad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. They not, can, they can easily loud, but... be emotionally compromised. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and again, you know, they, the the lore goes you know that that vulcans it's not that they don't experience emotions it's that they experience them so passionately right. that somewhere in their history they decided this is a weakness for us yeah and yeah. and we need to learn to repress these emotions and so by repressing them all they do is make them even more uh pronounced when they come out come out right yeah so that's- yeah it's That's gosh, it's, it's it's so well played by those two in that scene. Um, coming back to Christopher Lloyd as the Klingon commander Krug, uh, man, <laughs> I dare say the only role that he has been more menacing in might be Judge Doom from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Very true. I mean, Very true. Gosh. He is he is like he has a one track mind. He wants this Genesis device not because of its creative capabilities but because of its destructive capabilities yeah, yeah. and yeah. he's he's something else like and he doesn't hesitate he'll kill his crew i think he'll he'll go down to the planet and the guys like there's like like a slug thing you know and he and his i guess his second command is about ready to shoot the little slug thing he's like no no and that thing he grabs it 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 has like sharp prawn things coming out of it and it wraps around his neck i mean it's choking him i mean it's really right. choking him and he just squeezes the life because as a klingon it's like you know that i will i will battle this he's like predator you know what i mean he, i will battle this thing and kill it but uh the the part with um with david no hesitation i'm gonna kill one you know i don't care which one 
to show yeah. you how serious I am. It reminds uh, me of Philip Seymour Hoffman in Mission Impossible 3. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. that very like, I don't care. I don't I don't care. I'm yeah. gonna kill. I'm not I'm not attached to any of this. Yeah. Uh, and but you are. Yeah. And because you want this, I'm gonna take it away from you. Right. What a jerk. What a jerk. But so good. I've had yeah. enough. Oh, he of did you. He's such a great you know? job. <laughs> and then he's gone. Did you notice how um the only part that I would say is for a movie that worked so hard to build up properly Spock's return that that did emotion so well. And I'm not saying that that I, I like to be down in the doldrums or that he had a very extensive relationship with David, but it's a pretty quick bounce back. You know what I mean? As you get to the end and you get to um, and you go into the next movie like for Jim. Now we, we get, we get more of the impact of it as you get to six, you know what I mean? But sure. that, that plays out very much in that movie. But I felt like it was like a almost, almost forgettable other than the emotional impact it had on me and watching it. Right. Cause they had to move on, you know, and I yeah. guess they wanted four to be more lighthearted. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, You know, I think about that every now and then, like, they just obviously left David's body on Genesis. So when the planet falls apart, he's incinerated at some point. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's no, you know, they accomplished their goal of, of saving Spock and saving who they can. Um, they beat the bad guy and then they go to Vulcan and it's like, all right, so we're not going to stop and talk about David. We're not going to have a. There should have uh, been something they, in my mind. They do. Well, and we'll we'll touch on this when we talk about um, Star Trek Four. But there is a moment with Savick at the beginning of the movie where she lets Kirk know that David saved their lives. Right. Right. Um. You know. Obviously, she's not expressing condolences or anything because she's a Vulcan. She's not going to do that. But she right. does want Kirk. And again, because she's got that respect for this man. Right. Uh. She wants him to know that his son died sacrificing himself for her and for Spock. Right. Um. And, but really, that's all we get. That that's the only mention of David in the next movie. Um, and he's not mentioned again in this one following his death. Um, it's just I'm not mentioned in five either, is he? Oh no, there's there's no, no mention of there's nothing. Five feels completely like separate from it's on it, it, it absolutely is. It's it's not a part of this, you know, this trilogy. Um, and and really has nothing to do with six. It's right. just kind of this standalone you've got to get through it. Yeah, yeah. It's, you gotta get through it. It's just like, all right, we had four. We gotta have a five. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, six was so much better, but we'll get there. We'll get um, there. So uh, apparently there were a lot of security measures around um, the uh, the plot for this. They, they wanted to make sure that things didn't get leaked. And I'm sure it was a lot easier back then. There's no internet, so you don't have have to worry about oh, the whole world's going to find out. The enterprise is going to blow up. Um, looking back, you know, it's it's got this this moment where they decide 
we're going to take out the Klingons by blowing up our ship. Right. This is the original Enterprise, the one from the TV show. Right. And and they are going to just put it on self-destruct, um, which is a pretty powerful scene. You've got the three right. of them. It's, uh, it's Kirk. Um, is it Chekhov and, and uh, Scotty? Yeah. And they they set it up to, uh, to put it in the code. And I love it. He's so so serious. Zero. Zero. Destruct. Zero. <laughs> and then and then like a 60 second countdown. And then they beam down to the planet. The Klingons beam on board. Why does crew send his entire crew over to the Enterprise? <laughs> I mean, every last one of them is over there. It's like, uh, the computer is is saying something over here, and it's just counting down. And it's like Christopher Lloyd or Krug is the only one who realizes it's counting down. You morons, get, get out, out of there. there! Get out of there! Oh, yeah, th- that moment was so like like Christopher Lloyd sounding, you know, him yelling and doing that. He might as well have been Doc Brown. He's oh, yeah, like, yeah. Morty, Morty. You know, I mean, he's just <laughs> um. Yeah. Now I I think um I guess that would be a huge impact for people watching it and I'm sure trekkieism was growing. Um you know all these trek trekkies were growing. But um yeah, I guess that was so that was the first time. It's funny cuz the sh- the ship the enterprise ships blow up so frequently after this. It's like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot that wasn't a normal thing back then." You know. We've got another movie come out. Can we can we blow up the enterprise this time? And which one is this? Is that are we on F or G? What, or, what, what, no. what yeah, what letter are we on now? <laughs> yeah. So, and that's 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 a question I have about this whole self-destruct thing. Do they just hack the walls with C4 just in case we need to blow up the ship? I mean, yeah. because you've got explosions coming from everywhere in this thing. It's not yeah. like the warp board just explodes and then that's it. You have explosions everywhere. So what is this thing? Well, it can't be C4 because every time they get hit or some phaser hits their thing, like somebody sparks fly and somebody flies out of their chair for some reason. Like they fly out of the... I've always wondered this about Star Trek. Like somebody sitting at the science station. I would never sit at the science station because sitting at the science station pretty much means something bumps into you, even an asteroid, you are flying off that chair and you're going to roll a few times. I'm, yeah. I'm, it is classic. Suddenly yeah. there's sparks and, and flames and yeah, you're... <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't I don't, I don't get know it. what's it impacting you. It's not like it doesn't matter where the phasers you. hit. The phaser's not hidden anywhere near the bridge. The bridge is up on top of the saucer section, right? So where where is where's the connection? I would totally be like the second we encounter a bad guy, if I'm at the science station, I'd be like, I'm just gonna um, gotta, I'm gonna gotta. go to the restroom. <laughs> I assume we have those on this ship, right? I mean, the poor science station is the worst, worst place to be, you know. But yeah. just sparks fly everywhere. So no, there's no C4 because that 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 would just like go over. No, but you're right. It does it does blow up. There's no greater ship blow up though in my mind than the Nostromo. Other than of course what you're wearing on your shirt, which is when uh, you know the the uh, the planet blows up for uh, for oh, yeah. uh, ZBs. You know, but yeah, and then you get that Sci-Fi Channel kind of logo. <laughs> yeah, but um, but seriously, it. Uh, 
you know that that's probably from aliens and nostromo you know that that whole countdown blow up thing that's drawn out but for these three guys they just go up there and they're just like let's blow up the ship you know that's right uh and i do appreciate kirk's response to it once they're done on the planet and they can they can see the destruction of the enterprise as it's entering the atmosphere my god bones what have i done what you always have to do yeah yeah that's good that's good i'd be like tell me you're gonna decommission my ship <laughs> you'll see what happens i'll yeah. take the ship yeah. and blow it up <laughs> if i uh, can't have it nobody can <laughs> right. uh looking back the search for spock has certainly left its uh mark on pop culture and it is an essential it, bleh, it is an essential chapter in this star trek saga so in your opinion, what is the legacy of this film and how has it influenced or been referenced in other works of science fiction? Oh, well, um, other works of science fiction. I guess I think about like just the whole idea of somebody being killed in a chamber of noxious radiation and gas has been like overdone so many times after that it's almost like that's a good way to die i like that let's yeah. have people die that way but as far as like easter eggs i don't know of easter eggs or things like that going back to it but um tell me what do you got well i think we get more of an idea of what klingons are like oh from uh, through this than than we do good point up until up until next generation because it's you know all we know about the Klingons at, up to this point is that, all right, they're a violent alien race. Right, right. And based on the Kobayashi Maru and what Kirk says to Savick after she runs the program, uh, they don't take prisoners. They just they just kill everybody. Right. Um, right. So, you know, we I feel like we don't know a whole lot about Klingons. Um, unless of course I'm missing something, I'm and I'm forgetting something from the original series. But I don't feel no, like no. I don't feel like that. You know, the species is explored very much. No, until you get to having Worf as a main character in the Next Generation, and yeah. then even then you have you know several years of of building up his story and you know what his his uh family history was um right. how he interacts with the high council um right. and and we get more of that of of the klingon home world and and more of the lore there before we get to star trek 6 where yeah, the klingons are such a big piece of uh what's happening in the plot so you know i think i think with this it's really our first chance to have a Klingon villain um and and see what sort of warriors they really are and how ruthless they can be when they have a bee in their bonnet over something right. you know right I think there's been a few different races throughout Star Trek and I think everything kind of starts with how much time and energy they started spending into the Klingons you have of course the um the Romulans you know that there's more that goes into those, and and they're an offshoot of um, the Vulcans. Um, what was the ones that was in Deep Space Nine? Um, what were they called? Um, the Dominion. The Dominion, right? 
you have the Dominion there, and of course you have the Borg. Um, but each one of those, it's like there's this um, very totalitarian uh, regime, this take over the world, you know, take over the universe type of mentality. Um, and so, and is this the first time we've understood a neutral zone or from these movies? Um, no, the neutral zone for, for both Klingon and Romulans, it existed in the old show. Oh, it did. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, cause I think that gets played on a lot and as they violate going into the neutral zone and the ramifications of that, um, are huge. Um, yeah, it's, um. I guess you're right. I mean, the, it, this really does set the stage because you really don't get anybody like Christopher Lloyd. You had that moment where the plans for uh, Genesis, not Genesis, was it, uh, who was that that was handing off, handing off the, um, where, where Christopher Lloyd at the beginning, he he has the lady that's there, that's the Klingon that, oh, yeah. that kills. She um, was a spy. She was getting the, the Genesis um, information. Right, she's a spy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think fully. Yeah, this. You're right, Aaron. This is this movie really sets the stage for Klingons going forward. Yeah. Um. All right, we're about out of time for this episode. So, uh, do you have any final thoughts uh, regarding Star Trek Three? Um. When we talked before, I said that four was not um one of my favorites. Um. But when I watched these two movies back to back, I actually, because of the emotional uh, roller coaster and, and just how epic this three was, it was it made four lighthearted and fun for me, and I actually enjoyed it far more. So the only thing I'd add about this movie is is that if you're looking at like a story or even like a an epic, you know, journey of a multi, you know, multi film, you know. Uh, I guess score, you know this this kind of sets that up, and then the next movie gives it, kind of kind of takes us to a, a fun level. So, um, I think that I think that's kind of cool. All right, like I said, that's about all the time we've got for today. So, I want to remind our listeners and our viewers to like, subscribe, and hit that bell icon to be notified whenever we post something new. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting all emotional all worked up trying to be a Klingon over I mean a Vulcan over here I can't um anyway uh yeah like subscribe hit the bell icon so you'll know what's coming up uh whenever we post something new uh remember if you missed our previous discussions about Star Trek we'll put those uh links down in the description below so you'll have a chance to go back and listen or watch those uh, episodes come back later this week and we will continue this star trek discussion with a look at the voyage home uh so until next time have a great whatever it is wherever you are